0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Lax Factor Podcast. What is up, college lacrosse fans? Episode 56 of the Lax Factor Podcast. In uh, number 55, we ripped through and we started our way too early top 10 Rankings for Division One, and uh, we did uh, number ten through number six. And today I'm going to do number five through number one. I told you last uh, in the last episode that I wasn't doing it until Tuesday, but I had always intended on doing these Wednesday and Thursday. And uh, yesterday's show did really well, so today, just like you did yesterday, be sure to hit that like button every time you watch one of our videos without thinking, even if you don't like it. If you are a fan, hit that like button. Be sure to subscribe. Uh, be sure to hit the notification bell so you're notified when we put out more videos and more importantly to help us out share the video on all your social media platforms if you think that we're doing a good job here as always you can go to laxfactor.com to buy swag we have hats we have shorts. We have all sorts of cool stuff there. And um, you can also, in the description of this video, you can uh, find a link to the accompanying blog post that will also include the blog post uh, that accompanies this video, as well as a, uh, the ability to listen to the audio-only version, all right there. But you can go to laxfactor.com and see all the content we put up. So let's get into this, though. I finished off with uh, number six pen, and then I did blow up my spot. And I did let everybody know that, that Duke was number five as I was kind of doing the rattling off At the end. So, my number five team uh, to start the 2020 season way too early. I know it's way too early. Uh, Number five team is Duke. And Duke's a tough one, too. These next two teams that I'm going to do are tough because they lost enough. That they could take a step back, but both of these teams have been so loaded up with top one hundred guys over the last handful of years that there's the next man up is the real deal with these guys. So J T Giles Harris, he's the big one that's back to anchor the defense, but losses loom. Obviously, they lost some big cats on defense, so that's going to hurt. Turner Upgren, he was serviceable, and it's better to return a starting goalie than to not return a starting goalie. But you know, he was in the area of like forty four percent or something like that for a save percentage. So he wasn't lighting the earth on fire or anything like that with his performance. Albeit, he was a solid goalkeeper and a decent team leader. but So whoever they put between the pipes, they have a couple of goalies that were in the top 100, I believe, that are on campus. So whoever they put between the pipes is going to be okay. Offensively, once again, Duke is used to having the best player on the field, or at least a couple of guys that were the best players in the field. Last year, they didn't have that on the offensive side. You could say Brad Smith was one of the best mids, but he was only one of, uh, and he wasn't even a top five midfielder uh, or attackman, in, in my opinion. So on defense was where Duke had all of the best players, um, and, and they returned one of them in JT Giles Harris, the best defender in the country overall coming back. So that helps. But offensively, guys like Joe Robertson, they're they're top tier attackman. Don't get me wrong. 41 and 17. Great season. Guys like Nakai Montgomery, 21 and 18 guys like Joey Manown, 26 and nine, Jake sayow 15 and 10. All of these guys are capable of stepping up and going, you know, taking their game to the next level. But Duke is used to having guys that are going to put up 60 plus pretty easily. You know, in the days of gutterding, gutterding, he put up gutterding. He put up, uh, you know, I think he put up a hundred plus points his, his senior year or whatnot. So Duke offensively still doesn't have that guy. Who's going to be the alpha among alphas. But they have enough pieces on offense that they're going to be fine. And then bring in the fact that they have tons of, of incoming talent. And I think this is one of those years where Duke always plays some young guys here and there. I think this year you're going to see Duke play quite a few more young guys. So as always, Duke may start slow, but expect for them to, to finish strong as they always do. Number two overall recruit, Kenny Bauer. So they lose some defensive pieces and they bring in uh, Brower. Uh, on defense. Number two, overall recruit. Number three, overall recruit, Dyson Williams. They lose Brad Smith. What do they do? They bring in an attackman lefty sniper from Canada that can play some mid also to replace him. He can end up seeing time at attack or at mid, but I expect to see Dyson Williams on the field in some capacity. Number seven, Jake Caputo, midfielder, kid's a beast. He should see time on the field, I think, as a freshman, at least between the boxes, the middle third of the field there and we got number 14 Will Frasoli another defender so they bring in two Top fifteen defenders to replace the guys they lost. You cannot replace the guys they lost, but these guys will by the end of the season, as long as they're playing like sophomores and not freshmen. Assuming they even get to play, Uh, I I mentioned these young guys that are coming in because it's easy to reference them. It's easy to know what they did and what we can expect, being that they're they're so highly regarded in terms of you know top twenty recruits. But they may not even be the guys that end up filling the roles on defense, offense, whatever. So. This is one of those ones where Duke, I a part of me wanted to drop them out of the top five, but I feel like their track record of just rinse and repeat is so strong every year, and they have so many top 100 guys just sitting on this roster waiting to play. I think it's hard to take them out of the fifth spot, and I think they, they deserve this spot, and now they earn it from here. The next team... And I think you'll give me either of these. These, these two could have swapped is, uh, number four. I'm going with Maryland and they're a hard read. They didn't lose a whole lot overall. Bit of leadership. Uh, but they return their top four leading scorers, six of their t- uh, top eight overall on the offensive side of the ball. That's considerable. They return key players on defense, and they lucked out with a high profile goalie transfer in Brandau to compete for their keeper gig that's currently open. And it's hard to go against their roster, it's hard to go against their winning ways. And like Duke, they've been stockpiling top 100 talent every year. Um, so whether it be new guys, they don't have a whole lot of guys that I saw coming in that I think are going to be bang. They're making an impact because I don't think they need that. I think if, if everybody was whining last year about the lack of top 100 guys Syracuse had coming in for the 2019 season. And uh, Maryland's like that this year. And the part of the reason is they just don't need it. They're bringing in a lot of guys, just not high profile guys, because then you end up bringing those guys in and they end up sitting the bench behind a bunch of the other top 100 guys you've been bringing in over the last couple of years. It it ends up not looking good. And that's what I think one of the problems with Syracuse was is, is top 100 guys saw... Top one hundred guys languishing on the bench at Syracuse and um and they you know they started to bail. And that's what I think you're gonna see with a lot of these programs that have been stockpiling them over time. I think Duke's going to be the only one that's immune to that because of the quality of the school and the education you get there. Anyway, I digress. So Hard to go against them. And the reason why Logan Wisnowskis, 44 and 35, 79 points. Jared Bernhardt, 51 goals, 27 helpers, and 78 points. So you have two guys chilling right under 80 points on attack coming back. Both of them are filthy dirty. Anthony DeMeo 28 and 18, Bubba Fairman, the dopest name in the game 25 and 17, Kyle Long 22 points, Paglazzi, Roman Paglazzi uh, uh 10 points. Loads of offensive talent. So in terms of offensively they are good to go. They'll they'll put up one of the more for, formidable um offensive groups in the country. Defensively they lose Corley and that um that hurts badly, but they bring back Ray Hill, they bring back Macar uh, Makar, Maker. I can't remember how to pronounce that now off the top of my head. I don't care. Um, they bring those guys back, though. Two solid guys. Um, Brandau, I imagine he'd be the starting keeper. I've been scouring the forums trying to see what everybody thought was going to end up happening. Brandau played tough last year uh, for Georgetown. And I feel like he's probably the guy that they've been looking for because they haven't had a a ridiculously they didn't have a ridiculously solid keeper last year. So either way, Maryland's roster is is chalk chalked full of talent, just loaded. And I put them in the area of eleven. Twelve wins or so, uh, I think, uh, for the 2019 season, and that could go either way. their conference is tough, but they they kind of rule the conference, so it's between them and Hopkins and Penn State, you know, between the three of them, and uh, everybody else is an afterthought at this point until they prove otherwise for the most part. So I mean they're going to be able to get their wins even if they don't win the conference as long as they don't drop to third in the conference, um, or or heaven forbid below that they'll be they'll be straight. So Maryland is my number four. Number three, Penn State, and this is where people are going to start getting pissed off because uh, Penn State probably, when you really look at it, has the best chance of winning it all, but this is a preseason ranking. On top of it, it's a way too early preseason ranking, so I'm going with Penn State for number three and just hear me out before you start throwing shit at me and booing me and hissing me and all that. Um, I know it's going to make the Penn State fans crazy. I know even non-Penn State fans peeps are going to say are you kidding me but the reality until you prove you can hang and you get to the promised land you don't get my number 1 in my or my number 2 in the preseason i think that's one of the reasons i had been so down on penn state in years prior they played a cupcake schedule uh, in like 2015, 2016, and 2017, leading up to conference play. They were coming in undefeated, you know, just lighting the world on fire, and then they get into conference play, and boom, they start dropping games like flies. So I feel like in that way, that's that's the hump that Penn State has to get over. They got over the hump by winning their first ever playoff game last year. They got over the hump by making it to Memorial Day weekend and, and playing in the semifinals, but alas, they lost to a Yale team that lost almost most nobody off of their roster and and in and, and Erlin is Penn State's kryptonite Gerard Arceri is an incredible faceoff guy but he has he tends to struggle against other top tier faceoff guys at times and and Erlin is is Penn State's kryptonite I believe and I think that's going to be that's why I have him at number three for the most part here and uh, offensively though, and this is important for Penn State they return everybody. And I mean just about everybody. Amen, 30 and 95, 125 points. O'Keefe, best off-ball attackman in the world, 78 goals, 18 assists, 96 points. He's the best shooter in the world. This kid is just a goal-scoring machine. Dylan Folds, 43 and 13. Jack Kelly, 42 and 9. TJ Malone, 30 and 6. Gerard Arceri's back, but once again, he has to prove that he can beat Erlin. They lose Sabia on defense. That is freaking Enormous. That's an enormous loss. If he was back, eh, maybe I give them a, a, a nod and and bump them up to my number two. Uh, Cardile, Peck, right. Uh, Canellin, lots of depth at defense. I don't know if I got all of those names right. Uh, and more importantly, in defense, the anchor, uh, Kobe Canese, one of the best goalies in the game. So, you know, yes, you lose a guy like Sabia that hurts, but you're bringing back one of the best keepers. He had a down year last year, 51% save percentage after being 55% in 2018. But I think some of that may be due to the offensive pace uh, could be hurting his save percentage a little bit. So Penn State, once again, I put them in the area, they're they're in the area of easily, 13 to to 14 wins, I think, um, uh, this season, depending on on how many games they pick up on their schedule. And they are probably the favorite to win it all. But I'm not going to give them my preseason number one or number two. They're number three. Now, this is where it continues to get dicey. We're down to number two. And. I bet you I know the way that a lot of polls are going to go, and, and maybe they go the same way I did, but I, I felt like I went back and forth with this, and I'll explain why, but my number two, Yale. Fake, Heinz, and Wetzel all back with their 6-foot poles. Also added BJ Bur, uh, Burles Burles BJ Burles. We're going to say BJ Burles, number 6 overall recruit and Michael Alexander, number 52 overall recruit. So, the Rich just get richer on defense and not only do they have a solid def- defensive unit returning, they bring some young guys in and you have TD Erland to keep the ball off of that side of the field. So, huge Huge uh, for Yale uh, on defense. TD Erlin returns. He'll dominate the faceoff dot one more season before being hailed as the greatest to ever do it. And I don't think anyone questions that outside of maybe a couple of Denver fans here and there. 94 point score. Jackson Morrill is back 46 and 48. So just it doesn't get any more 50-50 than that, except if he went 47 and 47. But 46 goals and 48 helpers is incredible. And he's back. Matt Brandau, who came into his own as a Dodge back 50 and 24. Uh, So he'll, he'll put up 74, 75 plus points as a sophomore. He puts up 74 as a freshman, Matt Gaudet, the undertaker 51 and two last year, one of the best off-ball finishers in the country. He's back gone and this is where they're going to feel the most pain here, gone is Jack Ty, Joey Sessa, and John uh, John Danagellis. Uh Three really solid midfielders that anchored that midfield unit. All of them could score goals. All of them could feed. They were all really solid players. But stepping up are going to be guys like Brian Tevlin, Lucas Kotler, and any number of the young Talent that they have Yale has and it hasn't been stockpiling top hundreds like some of the other teams, but Yale has their fair share of talent on campus, so have no fear somebody will be able to step up, but at worst, your attackman you know it, it, maybe maybe you don't replace the midfield production in terms of points that's okay because I'm pretty sure Brandau and Morrill and Gaudet will eat some of those points and they'll all just end up putting up 80 plus. Uh, I expect fully that Morrill's going to get over 100. I expect that Brandow could put himself 85 or over. He could go over 100 and Gaudet he's going to be limited to what the others do, but no reason to think he's not going to, to repeat 55 plus points, maybe 55 goals. So they're going to be fine on offense and on defense. They're still stacked. Jack Starr, Kid's got a national championship as a freshman, a runner-up as a sophomore under his belt. He's still a little bit shaky. It may be partly due to how Yale plays defense. They beat you up and they come out and press you. So that may play into his save percentage. But I think Jack Starr needs to just be a little bit more consistent in cage. He has not hurt them by any means in terms of his playoff play. He's been really solid overall in the playoffs, or at least he's done what he's needed to do to get them wins. Uh, and he certainly was not the problem against Virginia. But uh, Jack Star, he's the you know not a question mark. He's their starting goalie, but I just think he needs to to improve on his consistency game to game overall. But Yale brings back their core defense, the core of their offense, and their and the best face off guy in the game. What is not to love about them? I could have easily put them at number one. I will explain why I didn't when I talk about my number one. But, you know, couple that with championship experience, you know, their roster and their championship experience, they get my number two. I fully expect we are going to see Yale in the semis again, no matter what happens. I do not see a world where Yale doesn't make it back to the semis. The finals, though, that could go either way, depending on who they draw. Area a 13 to 14 wins. They were 15 and four last year. So Yale, they're my number two. And my number one, everybody knows who it's going to be at this point. We're going with uh, the boys from Charlottesville, uh, uh, Virginia. I went back and forth. I almost, as I said, went with Yale. I actually cut and pasted Yale out of the number two spot, pasted them below, and didn't change the number from number two to number one. And then I control Z'd that shit and put them right back at number two where I thought they belonged. UVA deserves it preseason. And, and yes, they lost Ryan Conrad, 49 points, 95 ground balls, 11 cause turnovers, four man-up goals. That hurts badly. But it's what they have coming back that gives me pause in dropping them to number two, or heaven forbid, even number three, behind Penn State. So here is why. Best attack line in the country, returns. Matt Moore, 46 and 43. Michael Kraus, 39 and 36. We have two 50-50 guys on attack. And then the finisher, the spark plug, Ian Laviano, 51 and 11. All of them return on attack. All of them a year better. Krauss a senior, Moore a junior, Laviano a Junior, also, I believe. They perfectly complement one another. Moore and Kraus are the creators. Laviano is the finisher, and it it just deadly. Just a deadly attack unit. Dox Aiken is the best all around mid in the country uh you know you could say he's one of the best you get Costabile up there competing with him, and now you got some young guns that are vying for this spot, but right now, dox Aiken is the known quantity, one of the best two midfielders in my opinion in the country uh, he's deadly in man up eight goals he's capable b- capable between the boxes thirty two ground balls balanced in scoring, so I'm a big docs Aiken fan it's behind Aiken at midfield that's the question mark. For UVA. So who will step up? And, and when you when we start comparing these, you're going to see that they they match up a lot. The, the story of Virginia very closely matches that of Yale outside of Virginia, I think, has a couple of a couple of losses on the defensive side that are, are worse than what Yale has. But I think their offense is a little bit better. Um, so it's behind Aiken that is the question mark. So who will step up? And I have no freaking idea. I'm, I'm looking at Peel, five goals and an assist. Uh, we got Biankowski. He was the number 93 incoming player. They both got first line runs with Aiken in UVA's first fall scrimmage. So could they be the guys? Quinn. Connor, four goals, 10 assists. Schellenberger, the number one overall recruit, uh, he was an attackman. He's getting uh, lines, uh, uh, runs in the first scrimmage with the the number two mids or whatnot. So offensively, any one of those guys could pan out. So even though there's a lot of question marks with uh, with Virginia's midfielders, just like there is with Yale's, they have guys that are going to step up and going to be able to fill those roles, especially when you have a guy like Aitken uh, returning to to kind of lead that that squad. On defense. Connors, 27 cost turnovers, and Rock, 10 cost turnovers uh, at LSM. So, Connors and Rock are as solid as you get. Uh, I, I never know how to pronounce his name. Kologi, Kologly, Kologi, whatever the hell that is. I got to figure that out. I'm sorry. Uh, Sawsted, Peters uh, was a former number 34 overall recruit. Um, Bauer, IL's number 15, incoming freshman. And uh, uh, the other kid, Guerri. Uh, I believe is how you'd probably pronounce that. So they got two kids coming in, and a number fifty-four, a number fifteen pole, and a number eighty-one pole coming in as freshmen at close D. So there's returning depth, and they have young guys that can kind of step up and play as well. Road returns in cage this time as a national champion, and like Star, he has to improve. He has to become a little bit more consistent. He dealt with a little bit of benching last year, so that's not good for him. But I, I think that he comes in with a national championship, uh, 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 you know, notched there on his shaft. So I think that'll help him a little bit. But Road he just has to be a little bit more consistent. UVA's roster's loaded. So loaded that the number one overall recruit, an attackman in Schellenberger, was getting midfield runs with the second line. And, and you know... It, 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 and he did get attack runs later in the third quarter, but I mean they got the number one overall recruit running second mid right now. Who knows how that's going to pan out come the season? He may end up. Uh, he's certainly he's not going to end up starting on attack. I predict maybe you end up seeing him in man upsets, depending on what his shots like. Um, I, but I think that you're going to see him get midfield runs, and this is what ends up happening. Uh, This is what happened with Syracuse. This is what happened with Hopkins. You end up loading up so much on these top recruits in today's game, and then you end up having some unexpected guys that develop. You end up having top 15 guys sit the bench until their junior and senior years sometimes. And I think that's uh, one of the things you're going to see this cycle happen with all of these teams that are loading up now, the Maryland's, the Virginias. Um, And once again, I think Virginia and Duke could be unique in the way just because you know, from an education standpoint, those are are two... Very well thought of schools, so they may be able to keep loading them up because the, you know the new lacrosse landscape is your your lacrosse players aren't your stoners and your boozers anymore. Your lacrosse players are now your dorks and your nerds. You know, more power to them. That's what we need to be. We need more more smart people in the world. But uh, anyway. They're they're going to end up picking schools and being willing to sit a bench at times, I guess. But I'm rambling here. So Virginia is my number one, I think, for good reason. Uh, any one of these top ten schools have a shot. I think if I'm trying to lean into who my favorites are, it's obviously going to be the top three. My favorites for the national championship this year are Virginia, Penn State, and Yale. It's, it's not rocket science, and I don't deserve to be applauded for that that uh, reasoning. It, you know, it, it's kind of obvious, but but. That's why you play the game, as they always say, and I think that any of the teams in this top 10 have a chance, and maybe we could see a team that's not in the top 10 win at all. I'll have to go back and see how often that's hap- happened, how often a team not in the preseason top 10 has won the national championship. I'm sure it has happened here and there, but uh, for the most part, I think this year, one of these top 10 teams is going to be the team that wins the national championship, and I think that's kind of safe to say. But uh, that's it. That is the end of this episode. Uh, We will be back next week, and I'll try to get back to the Tuesday, Thursday. Uh, schedule next week. The last two weeks I've done Wednesday and Thursday. So I'll try to get back next week to Tuesday, Thursday. As always, be sure to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell. If you're listening, you know, subscribe, share the podcast with everybody that you possibly can. Be sure to look in the description. Uh, no matter how you're listening, look in the description. There will be a link to the blog post that includes the audio, the blog post, copy, and the video all in one place. Uh, go to laxfactor.com, get yourself some swag. We have hats, we have shorts, we have coffee mugs, and all sorts of other stuff. This is the five- father-daughter ball coffee mug. This isn't the one um, that we're talking about here. And another thing I wanted to mention quick, we will be launching possibly as soon as next week our subscription service. Now it will not affect anything that we do here on YouTube right now, we're still always going to do at least a Tuesday and a Thursday show. We may end up doing a Monday show. You know, Either way, on YouTube, we're still going to do two to four shows a week. The subscription service is just going to be additional things that we put up beyond that. There will be a lot more audio-only podcasts. There will be video series. The first video series that we're going to launch is called Impossible to Replace, where we will outline and profile players that uh, graduated the year prior and why it will be impossible for that team to replace them or near impossible. It's never, never impossible. Possible to replace someone? It's just how effectively can you do it. So part of that series, we'll be talking about those guys, the characteristics that make them impossible to replace, and then what those teams could maybe do to try to, you know, at least uh, weather the the burn a little bit here. So that is uh, something else that you can look forward to. It will be free. The subscription service we are going to offer up free to everyone through January thirty first, and February first will be the time that it kicks in. As paid, we have not come up with a price yet, but it is going to be cheaper than every other lacrosse subscription service that you have that, that's out there simply because we want to try to undercut them because I'm a marketer and sometimes undercutting undercutting people does help so that's uh, something else to look forward to, but like I said, don't whine and cry. it is not going to replace what we do here. You will all still get the the same video podcasts and and the same videos that we've been putting up all along, although we are getting out of the highlight game. Highlight game is starting to get ugly folks. You start putting up these highlight compilations, and even though they 've always been allowed, the revenue is getting taken from all of them, which makes the time spend not necessarily worth it, but even worse they 're starting to flag podcasts like news stories that have the highlights in them so for for the from a YouTube standpoint, uh, we probably will include less and less highlights in our videos unless we take the video ourselves. And we'll move a lot of that content over into the subscription service also so that they can't take our money uh, while we're putting up news stories and things like that that include footage that we're allowed to use per uh, creative, uh, per, um, what do you call it? I don't even know. I'm rambling. I'm going to let you guys all go. I'm going to get my butt to work here. So that is it. Be sure to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, share it, and go to laxfactor.com and get yourself some swag. Thank you. And Hoost is out.